0: do you have what it takes to be in the 1%? Welcome to The Steph Gordon Show, the place where you'll learn exactly how to scale and grow your business to seven figures and beyond. Before starting this podcast, I've built, scaled and sold multiple six and seven figure businesses and I've coached over a thousand entrepreneurs to do the same. If you're ready to take action and unlock your next level of wealth and become the CEO that your business needs for growth, then hit follow, open your notes app and let's get started. Hello and welcome back to The Steph Gordon Show. I have just made a fast friend in the podcast studio right before we have jumped on and I'm pumped to introduce you guys to, and you might already know, Viv Conway and she is the co-founder of Girls Get Off. Girls Get Off are on a mission to empower women in all things pleasurable, removing the stigma and taboo that comes with talking about and making the most of getting off. They're all about riding that O train and helping other women to do it too. And you actually also founded a business seven years ago that was called Ace the Gram, and you recently finished that up in December last year. So welcome on the podcast, my love. Thank you so much for having me, Steph. And I'm so, you know, blessed to be called a fast friend
1: because I feel exactly the same, but I'm very excited to be guesting on your podcast today and tell you more
0: about what we've done at Girls Get Off. I'm freaking pumped to talk about it because after a very, very deep, deep, deep stalk, mostly deep stalk, not just, like, usually I do a deep stalk right before, you know, get on the podcast, but I actually was just obsessed with the content. It was like TikTok. I was just like, oh, like more, more, more. Uh, guys, if you haven't, you need to go immediately. If you're driving, don't go immediately. <laughs> but go and look at Girls Get Off because the content is insane. I am in love with it. Oh, thank you. It's definitely
1: our secret weapon, if you like. You know, we're in an industry where it's really hard to advertise. We can't do a lot of paid advertising. I think there's only a couple of avenues that we can use. And so you're up against these really like big dogs who've been in the industry for 20 years, or you're up against people who've got heaps of funding. And then there's us sort of slipping in the middle there, trying to just be attention seeking and like do dramatic things online so that we can get people's attention because ultimately that's what marketing is. And that seems to be working for us so far.
0: Yeah, we've got almost 100,000 followers on Instagram and it's a hugely growing audience on TikTok as well. So you guys are doing something right. And I want to dive into that first because there's so much that I want to talk about with regard to Girls Get Off. But first of all, because your content is, like you said, you don't have the opportunity to do paid ads, right? So how do you guys get so creative? Like how much time do you guys spend? Because they're so well thought out. Like I saw one this morning just to describe to you guys. I just, I'm so obsessed with it. It was like, how do I use a clitoral vibrator? Oh yeah! And then there was two women. One was dressed up as the vibrator, and one was dressed up as that was Joe and I. Yeah,
1: Yeah.
0: and then you were just like kissing each other. Basically, it was so funny. And I was like, this is hilarious. Like, how are you coming up with this stuff? Like, what is the genius in this? Because there is genius here. I think honestly, if if you give yourself permission
1: to just think of like whatever you want to think about, I think because we've positioned our brand as something that is quite fun. Like I said, we want to be really attention seeking. Um, Joe and I both have had previous businesses in the social media space. So we have a little bit of an inkling as to like how we can grab people's attention. But in terms of this business, honestly, there's probably multiple people behind the scenes always thinking about social. So certainly not something that is outsourced and we just bounce off each other. So, you know, like we're going to talk about our new things that are coming up. So we've got like a booty plug coming out in a couple of months. I don't know when this podcast is going to be released, but we're going to do like For a that. yeah, you know, like a bottomless branch. And then, we, you know, once you sort of get rolling and you all just sort of start like talking about stuff, it just almost gets a little bit out of control, but it's so great. And probably also because our focus is not on paid ads. So perhaps where people in their businesses might be spending a lot of like time and focus and effort thinking about like, OK, how am I going to optimize that? What different campaign? am I going to run? What am I A-B testing? We're just like, what are we going to do to get engagement today? And it just sort of, you know, outdoes each other every time. And it's certainly been challenging because I moved to Australia just over a year ago. So we went from having this really like in-person team setting where it was quite easy to get content. And a lot of the content you will have watched from like beforehand will have been someone in the office one day being like, we should try this, you know, and it kind of just snowballs from there. So it's been a little bit of an adjustment and we're still sort of finding our feet. But yeah, I think some of the stuff we've produced lately has also been quite good. So to answer your question, I'm not sure I think it's just when you give yourself permission to be weird with it and like do whatever you want then
0: good stuff can come from that if you've got the right people to bounce off totally and I think it's like that process of really trying to focus on it like choosing to be creative choosing to okay this has to stand out what would be hilarious I I was watching a lot of the content this morning I was thinking like gosh it must be so fun like like immediately I want to work with you guys I'm like can I come hang out in your office for a day because that looks sick So, like, obviously it's fun, right? It's very fun. Does the office still feel stressed? Like, we're running a product-based business. Business is, like, obviously not always fun. (laughs) And so is there ups and downs or is it just always fun? And you guys just always, like, really open-minded? No. And,
1: look, we have just as many ups and downs as other people. And, in fact, I would almost argue that it then becomes even harder to show up on social and then think of something fun. Because if you're having something that's really stressful happening behind the scenes, then like, for example, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I haven't made a TikTok in like three weeks. You know, so it actually it can like impact that as well. So um, while it is really good when it's good, it's also if you're being overwhelmed by like other work that's going on, then it all sort of comes back on your internal team a little bit like it can suffer. So, yeah, certainly have the ups and downs at the same time, but we just want to make everyone's day. So we also try to put the good content out there. Yeah, well, you made my day. So thank you.
0: Look, I want to touch on because anyone who's listening here probably has a business, okay? And what a lot of people get really scared about posting online is obviously trolls. Most people will try to not create, like, they might create a little bit of polarizing content to get some conversation started, but that's very different to creating content that is likely going to offend or, you know, get people triggered in some ways, shape, or form, probably men mostly. But how did you, I imagine when you first, you know, decided to make girls get off, was there a moment where you were like, Holy shit, we're really going to publicly do this. Yeah.
1: I mean, Joe and I have always been really open about the topic, right? And I think because your friends and the people closest to you, by the time we launched Girls Get Off, they're like, oh, well, they're just doing something else now, you know? Like it didn't even come as a surprise. But there were certainly people who were like, really? Is that what you're going to do? Or like, you know, one of my favorite mentors was like, why on earth would you want to get into that industry? Like, that's really disgusting and like gross and I'm like exactly I'm like that's the whole point so I but, th- yeah exactly you know so I think that the point where we realized okay we've got something here was actually when we first started we'd been teasing our Instagram sort of building it up sharing little teasers here and there and we put the website live on the Friday thinking we were going to launch on the Monday and I think we made a few sales having only just like put the website live so there must have been that many people like seeing the Instagram and clicking through and just sort of, you know, just in the background being really curious. And that made us go, okay, like that's huge interest to have from like not even announcing that the website is live. So I think that was probably the moment where we thought we've got something here. And look, before we started, we thought, okay, we're going to do this. What's the worst that can happen? We're going to have a thousand vibrators in Joe's garage. We'll just have to give them away for free, you know? So there was still so much uncertainty before we started. And then I think moving forward from that, we want to focus a lot on humor. Like there's a lot of jokes that people do tell or a lot of angles that people go down, which even though we find them funny, it's like not within our brand guidelines. So we never want to be anti-male. We never, you know, we want to be like an ally to, you know, our target audience and everyone around there. And we never want to laugh like at someone. We'd rather laugh with them, if that makes sense. So there's heaps of learning curves that we've had. Like, don't get us wrong. We've definitely had some days where I remember one weekend we were just getting like hate from a long story but we were just like oh my gosh what do we do you know and it feels like it's the center of the world and it's the biggest problem ever but it's just learning curves for us and yeah it's been a really interesting journey
0: and how have your family and friends taken it I mean was this just normal for you guys so were they just like of course this makes perfect sense you know this is dinner table talk for them so this is fine like was that how it was or have there been people who have been like oh really you're talking about orgasms publicly
1: I know. And like, honestly, when I was, uh, I must've been 21 when I, you know, started working for myself full time. And honestly, when I told my parents I was going to quit my job to do Instagram in terms of managing accounts for other people, they were more shocked by that. Then, you know, the five or six years following when I turned around and said, oh, Joe and I are going to start a vibrator business. They were like, oh, that's lovely. Good for you. You know, they were just like past the point of being surprised by my actions anymore. And I think friends were the same. You know, there were obviously a few. And I'm sure if people had reservations, they just weren't saying it to my face.
0: But yeah, we got there in the end. And now we're really lucky to have very supportive people around us. Yeah. And I mean, that's so good. You're so right. It's so funny. Like we have started a few businesses since and Mum and dad are just like, good for you, honey. Yeah. For the first <laughs> so nice. time, they're like, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah. <laughs> so how do you know, like this content that you're creating, right? Like mm-hmm. obviously there are guidelines on social media and I'm sure that especially TikTok, like there's a lot and I'm sure Instagram, you know, it's hard to get past some of these guidelines and these roadblocks. I mean, you've got a huge following now. Like, almost, I checked this morning, almost 100,000 followers, right? You know, 98,000. Like, are you sometimes putting reels up and I just like, please don't shut our account down? Are all you not. saying that in the back of your head all the time? All the time, constantly. So,
1: in terms of like the people who even like post on Instagram, it's normally just Joe and I. If we train someone up properly, then, you know, someone else can. For example, our TikTok, if you go on TikTok and search Girls Get Off, that was our first account, you can see it got like so ridiculously shadow banned. We just had to start a new one. So we've got girls get off underscore HQ. And then with our Instagram account, oh, cool, happy days. You know, there we are building our new business, getting to 50K. It was such a slog to get there. We were in New Zealand's second lockdown, just working as hard as we could. Woke up in the morning, account gone. And it was just like, Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It was like, literally, I had friends who after we got the account back message being like, I didn't want to message you because I knew you'd already be like stressed out. And we are well aware that building your account on like someone else's land essentially like you don't own that traffic. So we're always really careful to think about how we're we building our email list, like how are we thinking about ways that we can grow like our own traffic. But yeah, so we lost our account at 50k for about 24 hours. And it was because we'd posted a question box reply that had certain words in it that described a certain act or something. So now we know and like with confessions that we do every Sunday, we're like Download them, cross out words. We set up a burner account as well. So now we've kind of got a backup Instagram account too. And I don't know, for those that we often get asked how'd you get it back? Like I trawled through any contact I could have possibly had ever and we sent a message out to like our email list to get our followers to report our account as missing like I think you can go onto Instagram and say something's wrong so I don't know whether that helped as well but somehow we managed to get it back within 24 hours and I know that for a lot of people in the sexual wellness space like this is something that they have to deal with all the time but yeah we just we got it back and now we
0: are extremely careful yeah Mm, yeah, for sure. And I've had clients that have been in the space, and it's that really fine line that you have to like constantly dance between. Uh, but you guys do it so well; like it's really tasteful, and you've done a really good job. So it's a huge business now. Like, how many countries are you now sending like products to? Where are you guys up to?
1: Well, interestingly, we're probably still eighty percent New Zealand and twenty percent Australia. So. Yeah, I mean, if anyone wants to collab because they need to launch into the New Zealand market, we're your gals. And we just had a conversation with a mentor today and got talked off the shelf of going into the US, you know, like tomorrow, because we get such shiny object syndrome. And so we do send product to the UK and the US if people order it. But our main focus is Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, because I think a lot of business owners will be able to relate to just like thinking that the grass is greener and being like, oh, look at that little shiny opportunity. Or you hear about like one person who's had a little bit of success using you know a few influences over there or how it worked for them but the reality is that sometimes you just have to commit to the grind and like just focus
0: yeah, for sure. And I think it's that almost like you, you think it's going to be the quick win that you're looking for. Yeah. I think that that's what it is. Like is. You're like, oh, yeah, we just broke into America. There's like, you know, however many billion <laughs> yeah. people are over there. You're just like, we'll just make heaps of money. Like, it's just yeah. so, like, you, your head just oversimplifies it so much. But like, logistically, you know, there's just so much that goes into it that you're just like not even considering. You're like, we'll make heaps of money. All we need to do is just get Kim Kardashian to have one of our vibrators. Then we'll be sweet. Like, and that, as if that's going to have no flow on effect to like to the actual business. <laughs>
1: totally. The exact same thing happened like we'd probably been going a year and we thought great let's go into Aussie like because we've got this influencer thing down in New Zealand we'll just replicate it over there easy and then we started doing it we were like oh but we've got a really high return rate on our previous product and actually we're kind of losing money so it was just like that's a stupid idea focus on New Zealand and yeah it's been really good and it's been really good to build out like awareness and build out the community by focusing on like one place at a time. And look, I'm sure there's different strategies for different people, but that's what we're rolling Mm. with at the moment.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. There's been a few big changes in my life lately, including shutting down my successful and wildly profitable seven-figure business. You might be asking why and it's because i could see with so many of my clients they were getting frustrated with information overload they had so many things they needed to action in their business and not enough time they just wanted the exact steps and tools so they could grow and scale their business to six figures and beyond and so i spent the last six months building a curriculum that covers the three areas you need to focus on if you want to accelerate your business we teach you how to streamline your business operations, overhaul your sales systems, establish yourself as the go-to in your industry, and give you access to the exact templates and systems you'll need to do it fast. Spots here are strictly invite-only, so if you're ready to take action, head to the link in the show notes and apply for Success School now. So obviously, when you first started Girls Get Off, you ordered a 1,000 vibrators. It was one product, Right. Yeah. So tell me about how that launch went, that sale went. How quickly did you get through a thousand vibrators and how did the pre-order go for your next product release after that? Give me a bit of a rundown of how that looked. Yeah. So because we identified in the market
1: that, okay, if someone decides I want to go and buy a sex toy, their options at the time were either I go into the weird shop and talking to someone who doesn't look or sound like me and I don't know what to choose and it's not a great experience, or I go online And that's all well and good. But if you click on toys for her, there's like 800 different types. It's not like choosing a movie. It's not super simple. You know, you don't necessarily know what you like. So the reason we started with one toy is that we thought, okay, if we can just sell one toy to people, we'll say, this is the toy for you. It's going to be great. And so that's why we went down that path. I actually don't remember how much we sold at the start, but I do remember that first weekend and thinking, I think we might've had like, I remember the stack of pre-sales. Maybe we had, I don't know, maybe we had 50 pre-sales or something, which was like, insane. I was like, who does this? This is crazy. We were really lucky with our timing in terms of when we did use some of the influencers we used, we had experience having used them before. So we knew they were good converting ones. And B, it was like the shock factor because people still weren't really posting about vibes in their stories. So look, that was a challenge as well. I remember we first reached out to 70 influencers, four said yes, two of whom we knew already. So like, it was a bit of a ride. Um, and then in terms of our next product, so we had that product unintentionally by itself for like probably 18 months. Like we would have loved to have a new product within the first few months, but due to, you know, such as life in a product business and a number of hurdles, not being able to go to China at the time, at one stage we thought we'd try and outsource like the sourcing of the product because that might take something off our plate, but it didn't go to plan. So the launch of TIFF, which was our second toy, we didn't launch till I think it was the first of September or the first of October. 2022. So we launched in March 21. And so we had one product for the entire
0: time. And that was a very long time. We would have liked to have another product by December 2021. You know what? It happens the way it happens, right? And things are out of your control. And for anyone listening, like, shit happens. Like, Mm -hmm. like, stuff happens, you know? Like, there's business. Do you think that in some ways that benefited you because there was, I mean, that would have been stressful. Like it wasn't for lack of trying, right? So it wasn't like, oh, well, we just forget about that. We'll just keep marketing this one that we've got. Like there would have been a whole process of you guys in the background being like, (laughs) like pulling your hair out, trying to make it work. But have you found that when you're marketing multiple things at the same time, that the sales obviously increase overall, but probably decrease of the levels of stock of the one that you were selling originally, right? So I imagine it would have been quite easy for you in the beginning to have your one and then just continually sell it, order, sell, order, sell, order, sell. And then you have a second product and now it's like, how do we actually get both selling at the level that we want? Yeah, 100%. And selling just the one product was, uh, yeah, I'd highly
1: recommend that if that makes sense to start someone else's business but yeah when we had another one actually someone said that to me like you need to remember that you need to explain these things to your audience more because we're just out there being like yeah i got a new toy whatever but it's not as like simple or as straightforward as Missy our like first toy and on top of that having then since bought out like the book so we have this book called A Girl's Guide to Getting Off it's aimed at like couples it's got sections on like sex positions intimacy butt place squirting you name it it's all in there but like that's a good example of people. People don't just like understand what that is like they don't just understand that that's the thing that could you know change their sex life will be the perfect thing for the weekend away so we really had to change our like thinking a bit because we were used to just being like here's the toy like whatever you can see what happens and you can read the reviews then you do have to think a little bit harder and work a bit harder to help people understand
0: especially when it's online and like not in person right mm. and they can't just pick up the like product and like look at no it and read the label you know no. But I love the way that your website is designed. It really is designed for that, like, customer experience, right? So, like, you fall on it and there's, like, little graphs and stuff that are, like, you know, hey, like, if this is what you're looking for. And then it, like, points you to which toy is, like, better for you. It's, like, really clever. I was, like... That's so helpful, especially for somebody who probably initially might fall into your world and might have some stigma attached to this thing that they're doing, right? And potentially nerves or emotions that are feeling into that. How have you guys come up with that idea of placing, I guess, the way that I feel that your website is set up is that you really place your customer at the heart of what you do rather than, hey, we have this product, like <laughs> and we and they will come. Do you know what I mean? It's always like, <sighs> we know what you need and we've created this entire thing just so that you feel safe.
1: I love that. And I love that you love the website because we don't like it at the moment. It's getting redone. (laughs) You know, when you look at your own stuff too much, you're like, ugh, yuck. That's got to go. Yeah. (laughs) Disgusting. Yeah. So anyway, but thank you. I think what we have focused on from the start is that we also realized if we can use humor in our marketing, then that takes away the uncomfortable feelings. Because if we were going to go down the path and market this, you know, how other brands might be in their space of being a bit woo-woo, some might be a bit wellnessy. That's amazing and that serves a different audience. But in order to get in touch with the masses, we figured that if this is something that's uncomfortable, if we make people laugh, if we share a confession that they go, oh my gosh, this sounds like you, or check this out, A, people are going to share it, so that helps us hugely, but B, it it just makes them laugh or have a discussion with a partner or having a discussion with a friend and then it just all of a sudden is like oh okay this is not that weird and so by the time I think they get to the website they already sort of feel like they know what they're in for rather than perhaps like you say if someone is starting out and going to a website with lots of selection it can be a little bit daunting when the you know the little like bullet vibe is next to the BDSM mask you know so if you can make it In a way, we feel that is like as normal as buying skincare, the same customer experience, just so it feels super normal rather than being like this weird thing that you're doing. Yeah, that's what we've tried to focus on. So I guess to answer your question, it all comes through from the marketing at the start. And then that flow chart you're talking about in terms of which toy is right for me, that was like, oh my gosh, we were so late in doing that. But that is because we had so many questions. We could see our conversion rate was going down. All these things that we've talked about in terms of like having two products, that's why
0: that was so important. And when the conversion rates start dropping in a situation like that, and that's just, I want to touch on this because obviously that's business. That happens (laughs) in all the time. Like sales are up and down all the time. Talk to me how you identified that it was confusion that mostly was the issue that was causing the conversion rate to drop. Because in that moment, I think what can happen is that we can kind of self-punish. Like, oh my God, no one wants our product. We suck. Like, like you can kind of go through that like moment of being like, of course, we're fucking useless. <laughs> like, you know, rather than like, just logically, maybe they just got a bit confused. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. Well, I think that it's, I mean, like you say, going from one product to
1: multiple, I'm like pulling numbers out of the sky here, but I'm pretty sure our conversion rate was at like five or 6% when we just had one product. And then now it would be like, I think I checked the other day, I'm like, oh God, it's at 1.8, one of the sites in the last month. I'm like, that's terrible. Normally it sits like that average, you know, three, three and a half. That's like our sweet spot where we like it. But like, that's a drop from 5%, but it's just logical and it makes sense because if you're just saying to everyone nonstop, this is our one toy, this is our one toy. And they get on the website and they buy you one toy. There's no way that they can get distracted. They're not like, ooh, I'm going to have a look at, you know, all these different, do I need lube? Do I not? Oh, got distracted and I'm off the website.
0: Yeah. so that's, Too hard it, now. Like I just, yeah, like I, yeah, too hard. I just think I'm going to like do, go, I, you know what, I'll come back. Totally. Yeah. And actually, that, and it's funny you say that because
1: that's half the reason we're making these changes to this new site as well is because we reckon we can make it a little bit better. Like I feel like everything's just so scrappy when you're starting out and like it still is. But yeah, we can do it better because I mean, ultimately, if you can increase your conversion rate, then like you've already got the traffic coming to your site, and you may as well try and make more convert rather than find more people.
0: Totally. And just increase the average spend, right? I wanted to really quickly touch on influencers. You made mention of it before. So you went out to 70, got four. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that would have been an interesting moment. Like it's hard for you guys to run paid ads because it's just not really mostly allowed. Is most of your, I guess, paid budget then for influencers? Like, do you find that that's a worthy route for you to go down?
1: Yeah, good question. So I guess to give you the context around what paid ads we can do, we literally can't do any, we can do Google search ads. We can't even do shopping at the moment. I think I need to change that. I think we might be able to do it for Lube. We tried Pinterest but we can't show any pictures of the product because it would get pulled up and like banned. So that was also very hard and we stopped doing that. We've also tried setting up like separate business manager accounts and then running ads off, you know, as a bit of a loophole. But that also didn't work when we tried it, although I'm sure we'll try all these things again. And in terms of influencers, yeah, I guess at the end of the day, it's like, right, you've got your channel here and we're, we're making all this content, but how can we leverage like different audiences to get them to come over to our page? The other hard thing is that, If we're using influencers, we then don't have the luxury of being able to like retarget everyone. And I know that's a little bit harder now, but we kind of need to make conversions right off the bat or we either need to make conversions or we need to get people as followers. So we'll normally pick like one sort of objective so like we've got a giveaway coming up on Monday and it's with an influencer and our objective there is to get followers it's never like both because then you'll just dilute what you're going for so we'll do a giveaway with her we've bought some prizes that we know will like target her target audience we'll do things like only get them to follow our account like I think a lot of brands one of the biggest mistakes that I see is when people do giveaways and people have to follow more than one account I think it just dilutes you're better to go all in get a prize that's amazing, make it huge, make it attractive, and then just get them to follow your account, like you're paying the influencer to get in front of their audience and you net here. You also need to make sure that that's very clear because we've had situations in the past where that hasn't gone well. So that's one example. And then the second example we found is if we're going for conversions, we often find that stories work best for us. So we might do three 15-second frames, just get them to talk about the product Even better if they can do a review, but not everyone's always open to that. And then again, only asking for one thing, you know, this is Missy, she is amazing, or this is something great about her.
0: And then just going straight to our website. Um, Go and buy her now. The CTA is go and buy her versus like the CTA being like, go and follow them, not go and follow them and buy and send them a DM and... (laughs)
1: Yeah. yeah, And I think the other thing to be really careful of with influencers or just like aware of is just making sure they're a really good fit for your brand. So for us, we've got shiny object syndrome and being like, perfect. If this influencer works and she gets 30,000 views on her story, then let's just pay other influencers with 30,000 views on their story and then we'll just get the same like conversion rate. And then we've had influencers, we've paid, you know, $2,000 for some stories. We're sitting there, we're like, no sales. We're like, perfect, great, all right, back to the drawing board. So we've had our fair share, and I think what I can say is, you know, we know that influencers who look like, sound like our target customer, perfect. We know that if we get shiny object syndrome and try and go like, oh, but this person's really trending, like surely we'll give it a go. We might give it a go, but like chances are is they may not work as well as the people who might have like 20k and they only cost a few hundred dollars for stories, but they're just so targeted. Like one of our best performing influencers has 8,000 followers, but because she's like in the same
0: niche, like she just kills it. So definitely fit matters yeah, those 8,000 people are there. They love what she's talking about, which is this topic. So therefore, it makes sense, right? And also, like, you would know so much more about this being that you had a whole background in social media before you jumped into this. But often, like, the smaller accounts have higher engagement rates. So, you know, it can't win for you better like that. Totally. And we've also tried, like... We would love to send out like squillions of vibes and like do a
1: huge micro-influencer campaign, but we still face the same issues in terms of like people not wanting to work with us. So micros, macros, yeah, it can be really hard. And then even if you do work with people, they might not say things in a certain way because they're still a bit hesitant about it and that can affect it. And we've also found that like, especially coming to the Oz market, there is a quite a big price difference between Australia and New Zealand. So look, if you want to try some influencers in New Zealand, like there's some really reasonable price because we always try and go for like four times return on what we spend on the influencer (laughs) if we're doing a conversion. So that's sort of our like benchmark and it's not going to work for everyone. That's just
0: what works for us. But yeah, so I don't know. Maybe that's helpful. That's our experience. I had a conversation with a woman the other week on the podcast, and her name's Natalie, and she has an influencer, like a talent agency. And it's so interesting hearing you say it now. It's just like paid ads, really. Yeah. It's just like, it is. Cause like, and I just give the money to Facebook, and sometimes Facebook's just like, nah. And, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, what was a waste of my freaking $1,500? Thanks so much, Facebook, for freaking nothing, right? <laughs> totally. Like, you know, you paid an influencer $2,000, you've got no sales, right? Mm. And it can be so easy to be almost mad at the influence because it's a person that you can, like, see and, you know, but, like, I don't see really sit there and be like, oh, Zuckerberg. Yeah. Stop you, Zuckerberg. Like, it's a really interesting thing. I think influencers probably get slammed more than, you know, every channel has its times where you throw money at it and it doesn't work. Every channel 100%. Ever. And you've just got to, yeah. like, allow for your, like, testing budget. And in the situations
1: where we did that, it's because we – Got a bit too keen, but we learned our lesson. And also, like, we look for a four times return on conversions, but that's because A, we've got a product that people probably aren't going to buy again for a few years. And B, like, different if you've got a product where you know the lifetime value of your customer and you know that, like, you've only got to sell a few, you know, bags of protein powder and then they're going to come back every month, or if you can, you know, remarket to that audience. So it's totally different for everyone. I think that the bottom line is they work. You just have to be prepared to test it and, You can still be conservative about that or try different things, as you mentioned, like micro-influencers. But yeah, if it doesn't work, it's not because influencers
0: don't work. It's because you haven't found the right fit. A hundred percent. So last but not least, what is next for Girls Get Off? What's the plan? Obviously a new website coming. Very exciting. A new product coming as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, What is the plan? Is it more product? Is it more eyeballs? Are you going to take over the world? Are you going to help every single woman in the world have an orgasm? What's the plan? 100% we're just out here trying to normalize female pleasure Um, yeah so we have
1: a few products in the line we're looking at kind of different options for funding I guess because that's a normal growing pain of any growing business so that's been a whole new world as well we are obviously focused on the New Zealand market just as much as the NZ market now so I'll be doing more content down at the prom and Bondi and yeah that's our plan for right now and then it'll be expanding into other places. Like we've got big plans for Girls Get Off, just because we've seen how like how fun and cool it is when more people sort of join our community and you know get to have a laugh out of it and get to be involved. So yeah, very excited about the future.
0: And certainly has its ups and downs, but we're so dedicated and ready. Yeah, and look, every business has its ups and downs. Like, guys, like I hope that when you're listening to these podcasts, that is the thing that you are realizing. Like, I think often people think like, "I wouldn't it just be so easy if," yeah. But <laughs> yeah. there's none of them are that easy. Like nothing, like, it all has its ups and downs, you know. So I just love what you guys are about. I love the mission. I love the passion. I love the humor. So I am gonna be watching you guys with bated breath. I'm really, really pumped to see how far you can take this and how many girls you can help get off <laughs> um, with. <laughs> (laughs) With your brand and with your message, if you had one thing that you could, I guess, as an entrepreneur to entrepreneur, what's one piece of advice you would give to somebody that's maybe just getting started in a product-based business?
1: I would say only take advice from people who have been there, been exactly where you want to go. Because especially if you're starting out, people will give you plenty of unsolicited advice, but only take money advice from a millionaire. Only take product stock advice from someone who's lots of stock yeah and build out your network because that's certainly been a success formula of ours has been like you know just this morning I was like god I really need to talk to someone about this like you know just sifting through my network and just shamelessly asking for help but adding heaps of value in other ways to people in your network at the same time what goes around comes around
0: for sure I love it they say yeah your network is your net worth right and I think until you are in the situation where you've realized it is the most solid truth like for sure I couldn't agree with that one enough Look, Viv, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast with me and chatting with me about this. Guys, if you haven't already gone and followed Girls Get Off, please go and check it out. It is unreal. Guys, if you loved today's episode, we would love it if you would take a little screenshot and tag us both. All of our contact details are in the show notes. So tag us, let us know what your biggest takeaway was. And thanks again so much, Viv, for jumping on. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so great. So fun. (laughs) I'll see you next week, guys nothing changes if nothing changes. I want you to reflect back on this episode and write down right now what action you're going to take and what you're going to change after listening and after you've done that please tell me slide into my dms it means the world to me to know that you're getting value from this podcast i always want to know what you want to see more of the things that have landed and the ways that it's changing your life and if you're ready to build a scalable saleable and profitable business we're currently taking applications into Success School, which is my mentorship programs take your business to seven figures and beyond you can apply now via the link in the show notes